Right. So we know that the the more that a man has to count on his wife to be the breadwinner, the more likely he is to cheat. That's a true statement. The point is, it doesn't mean that he's cheating because she's the moneymaker. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss a new study out that makes a relationship between how much money you make and cheating. Stay tuned. Have you signed up for our free weekly newsletter yet? Visit hitchmag.com and click the newsletter link to join. Go ahead. I'll wait. It'll take less than 30 seconds. It's the easiest way to stay up to date on the latest marriage news and information, including each week's new podcast. Again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the newsletter link to join today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of hitchedmag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hello, Steve. So we actually have a pretty interesting one today. Um, it, there is a new uh, report out from a University of Connecticut professor that was published in the American Sociological Review, and it discusses the relationship between money and cheating. Um, and I thought the findings were pretty interesting, and I wanted to discuss with you about why some of the uh, relationships were discovered. So um, I realize that it's tough to discuss about a study like this without getting into the nitty gritty of like how it was executed and all that kind of jazz. Um, But we're going to give it a shot anyway. So um, one of the first things that it points out is that when one spouse is financially dependent upon the other, that they are more likely to cheat. Why do you think that is? I don't think it has anything to do with that. (laughs) You know, let me for a moment just talk about research. Please Uh, do. Okay. There's all kinds of, quote, research that gets published. And when we as people who are readers of these studies find them in journals, we say, oh my goodness, here was a study, it was in a journal. It must be true. That's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of different ways to do studies. There are lots of different ways to present data so that it looks impressive. I'm not saying that people, the researchers are purposely trying to deceive us, but there are ways to present data. There are ways to fudge data There are ways to um, have the data sort of speak in the direction that you want it to speak to you. Um, And there are different kinds of studies. So just because it's in a journal doesn't mean that now um, what's in there is accurate. So now let's say um, you've got one person who is totally financially dependent and all the people who are the breadwinners are going, oh my God, oh my God you know, uh, my wife or my husband was missing for several hours. I just read this study. Clearly they must be having an affair. And, and lots of times in, in a situation such like this, 
what you're going to find is that one thing is related to the other. In other words, yes, the people who were more financially dependent might have more cheating episodes, but it's not because they're financially dependent. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is there's a third factor that is causing it. So I'll give you an example that I always give my classes. This is a true statement. On the days in Manhattan where the cement is softer, more people die. Now, that's a true statement. It's the same statement as people who are more dependent have cheat more. Mm -hmm. But do you think that it's because the cement is softer that that's why people are dying? No. It's because the sun is so hot that day that it is causing the cement to melt and it is also causing more heart attacks and more strokes. Mm -hmm. It's a third variable. So I would suggest that there is a third variable that is leading the researchers to find or come to the conclusions that they came to. So really, we're talking, there's just a correlation, not yes. this is not the causation. That is exactly right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about this. I remember I actually um, got in contact with somebody who performed a study, and it was talking about uh, millennials getting married later. Mm -hmm. And the report concluded that um, millennials were um, uh, kind of snubbing their nose at marriage. Mm -hmm. And I contacted them and I was like, well, where's the evidence of that? Because they're still getting married. I was mm -hmm. like, basically, uh, you, we know that college is more expensive we know that weddings are more expensive. We know that um, jobs, um, uh, like the economic realities of pay isn't, hasn't kept up with the inflation of all these other things. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it also make sense that they're just right. saving money longer? They're, getting in, they're going in and getting an education because, you know, in the 1950s, you would go graduate high school and get married. Exactly. And now it's like, well, if you want to keep pace – you got to go to college and get, you know, so it was all these different things. And it was, you know, they were able to paint this picture as in people are less interested in getting married and marriage is dying, which we see, you know, every 10 years in Time Magazine and stuff. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> but it's right. like, well, no, the economic realities has just shifted. Uh, they, it's just shifted the priorities and the time we've talked about this in the past Yes, and just uh, the time stages that people go through today, because we're also not dying when we're 62 years old. Exactly. You know, we're living until we're 80, 90 years old and on. So what's actually. the rush? Yeah, yeah exactly. Rush. Yeah. All right. So going back to money and cheating. Yes, please. Uh, okay. So, so that's the overview. Okay. Now, I have some guesses as to what might have been the third factor. I don't know, Steve. I didn't run the study, but I can I can put out some guesses to some of the reasons that they found some of the things that they found. So so let's talk about what they found, and okay. I'll give you my guesses. All right, let's do it. Um, so I guess first, why why is it that you think that people who are financially dependent on their spouse are more likely to cheat, just in general? Well, as I said, I, I don't think that's true. But, you know, if we break it down by gender, okay? Yeah. Um, so the male who's more dependent, okay? Yes. So we do know that as much as we've advanced in this society, um, 
a lot of men, most men, still feel that they're supposed to be the breadwinners. Mm -hmm. And though in large part um, they are the breadwinners, um, many women are now stepping into their own and are becoming the breadwinners. Well, if if a man is still identifying themselves as, you know, me Tarzan, I should be the breadwinner, but he's the dependent one, that may make him feel really lousy about himself. Mm -hmm. It may make his self-esteem go down. And what is an affair about? It's about, you know, that limited time where it's fantasy world and you are made to feel like, you know, you're it, you know, you're all that. So I might, as a male who is depending on my wife, feel like I need something to make me feel good about myself. Um, do you think this also comes down to like feeling respected and different things yes. like that? Yes. You know, it's interesting. So this study and, I, you know, I'm just going to throw these numbers out there just for the sake of because we're talking about it, even though um, you have expressed doubt and the validity of the actual numbers. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just going to throw it out there for our listeners to um, – you know, so they can kind of keep track of what I'm referring to. Okay. So, and, and the study said that men who were financially dependent were three times more likely to cheat uh, mm -hmm. it, than those who were not financially dependent. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's kind of interesting. And, but getting to your point about uh, men having those needs uh, or, or uh, the emotional needs, um, I also kind of think about, um, something that we've discussed in the past about how men are more emotional than women. No, I didn't say that. Men uh, are more sensitive. Sensitive. Sorry. Sensitive. Yes. Sensitive. And so, um, do you think that might play a role in, and if they're financially dependent, um, and they internalize all this stuff that they're feeling kind of lost. And so then they start seeking. Yeah. I think they relief. don't feel good about themselves. I think they don't feel good about themselves. Now, by the way, I just want to also say, comment on something you said a few minutes ago. I am not questioning the numbers they, that they found, the validity of the numbers. Yeah. What I'm questioning is... The relationship. The, yeah, that, and there is a relationship. A correlation is a relationship that when one, when, when as one is, one thing is happening, you, we know what the other thing is. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like if you have a college education, you're more likely to make more money. Right. So we know that the the more that a man has to count on his wife to be the breadwinner, the more likely he is to cheat. Mm -hmm. That's a true statement. The point is it doesn't mean that he's cheating because she's the money maker. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. not causative. So I don't dispute the numbers. What I dispute is the implication that it's because he's dependent. I think it has more to do with feelings of low self-esteem, feeling that, you know, he isn't made to feel anymore like he really is a guy. So you know, is it really important. like a, a mishandling of that dependency? So for example, if um, if you were if you're a man and you were dependent on your wife uh, to to be the breadwinner. I'm assuming something like this could be resolved where your feelings uh, of security and stability and manliness would be met if you had some sort of conversation about it or some sort of agreement about the situation you're in. Because I think maybe some of this comes from feeling like you're not in control. 
well, I think that that's a lovely idea, but realistically, how many men are going to feel this lousiness about themselves and then tell that to the wife? Because that's really vulnerable. I would like to invite the women who are in this breadwinner position to still be aware of the fact that males still do very much identify themselves as being manly if they can be the supporter or the breadwinner or whatever. And so please be sensitive to that and um, do what you can in other ways to appreciate what he brings to the table and build that up so that he feels valued and respected and that he's making a contribution, that it's not just about the money. You know, one of the things that I wondered about this um, study as well is the generation gap in the mm-hmm. study. And mm-hmm. I wonder if the attitudes have shifted a little bit because um, older generations, the idea of um, women being the breadwinners um, is a little newer to them, I would say. Whereas mm-hmm. the younger generation, like I know my parents as well as pretty much all of my friends' parents when I was growing up, both parents worked. The wife, mm-hmm. the wife in the relationship worked. And so for them to have um, a wife themselves who also works, it's no longer like, oh, you have to work or whatever. It's just kind of like accepted now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder if the younger generation feels less insecure about a woman making more than them as a male. I would – this is – again, this is just my Speculation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that in New Air in the New York metropolitan area mm-hmm. that might be true and where you live on the west coast that might be true but I think that for the majority of America that's not true. Hmm. Okay. I you know I just think that and and again you know I may get I may be <laughs> insulting a lot of listeners here and it's not meant to insult them. Yeah. I think that most of middle America is still grounded in more traditional values. Yeah. So it's not meant as an insult. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I, 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 I kind of agree with that um, because I do – I mean, you see it all the time, like how deep-rooted tradition is across the country mm-hmm. um, and all sorts of things. And then on the flip side, you see things like um, gay rights and how quickly attitudes changed on that, at least publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we're talking, and again, we record these things sometimes weeks in advance. Um, uh, the Caitlyn Jenner Vogue cover was just revealed. Mm, yes, and you know, and it might be the the media that I follow, and the people on Twitter and Facebook and everything else that I follow. Um, but the outpouring seems to be overwhelmingly positive from mm-hmm. what I'm seeing. Um, now, it, it just seems like that would have been something hard – would have been really hard to fathom, you know, several years back. Yes. But the attitude seemed to have changed really quickly. And so um, for something that seems um, less, um, I guess, taboo of a topic um, – like this, like what we're talking about, I think it might be easier to flip the mindset. But on the other hand, I also kind of think, and and 
cases like this, it might even be a little more personal because we're, it's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. You know, do what you do. I don't care. Right. Right. Um, but when it comes to my money and my relationship, mm-hmm. uh, this is how I, you know, and it might not even be you know, like, maybe that's not how you want to feel. It's just how you do feel. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you mm-hmm. want to be progressive about it. Um, but you still feel like, oh, I should be making the money in this situation. Right. Right. Um, Okay, let's let's move on really quick with some of the some of some more numbers, and I look forward to getting your thoughts on this. Um, so, for women, those who were totally economic economically dependent mm-hmm. had a five point two percent probability of cheating, um, compared to three point four percent of those who brought home equal income, uh, and just one point five percent for those who were the total breadwinners. Um, I guess first first thing is why do you think for women the number is so much lower? Is it from past history? They don't like the the leap of being out of water isn't as much for them. I think so. I you know I think we know that um, it's not just men who cheat, but on the other hand, um, I think that the numbers are basically lower for women than it is for men. Mm-hmm. I mean, are women in general, and again, cheating, again, cheating is one of those like extremely difficult uh, numbers to get a hard, good statistic on because who wants to admit that they've cheated on their spouse? Uh, But um, just throwing it out there, do you, and I I hate myself for asking this question because I feel like it's terrible journalism, but um, do you think women cheat as often or equal to based on your experience uh, no. In your practice? No, no okay. I don't think so. I think that men cheat more. I think women do cheat, but I don't think they cheat as much. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, then uh, what was also interesting in this study was... Wait, 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 oh. let's go back. Oh, okay. I, but you see, I think that the women cheat when they're totally dependent because I think that when men are breadwinners, very often... They get so caught up. Now, again, this is my conjecture is another possibility. Sure. That when they get so caught up in being the breadwinner that they forget about the little things that a woman needs, mm-hmm. the care, the appreciation, the attention. And so where is she going to get that from? Yeah. So she goes looking for, you know, somebody else. So, again, it's not so much because she's dependent and he's the breadwinner, it's because she's craving those yeah. types of, um, you know, those those qualities that let her know she matters. Yeah. If you spin this out, that dependency means that he has to work enough for both of them to su- survive, right. which means he's working probably longer hours or right. whatever, which means he's away from the home, not That's giving her right. the affection right. and doing the date nights and these other things, right. even though they have this really nice house and cars That's and right. things. That's right. Um, you know, and it's interesting too, because to your point, um, when the, the women women are financially dependent, that is the highest number when they're completely financially dependent, 5.2%. Mm-hmm. And for men, I believe the number was 15%. Mm-hmm. When they were 100% financially dependent on their wife, um, but then as in, and the numbers continued to drop, the less financially dependent they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, except, and this was what I thought was interesting: um, men were at their lowest point, least likely to cheat at 2.9%. Mm-hmm. 
when they brought home 70% of the couple's income. Um, but when they were the sole breadwinners, that number actually went up to 4%. Okay, so what does that tell you? To me, it's so then this really doesn't matter. <laughs> That it really doesn't have to do with being a breadwinner, not a breadwinner, dependent, not dependent, that it's really these other factors because, again, or here's another thing, that it's these other things we've been talking about, but that there are some men who are going to cheat regardless. And maybe it's that I am so powerful, and a lot of times when people are powerful, they think they're above the law so to speak, that, you know, it doesn't matter. Some rules don't apply to them. Again, my point is that it's not about whether I'm the breadwinner or whether I'm dependent. It's about other attributes that are impacting the way that they react to the relationship, to the marriage commitment. Yeah. I, when I read that, um, I actually found it interesting that when men brought home 70% because I thought, oh, okay, that's, you know, and again, you can play this numbers game, but I was looking at that as, you know, that is some, it's clearly not a 50-50 split, but there's some semblance of balance in the relationship Mm -hmm. at 70%, whereas when he's bringing home 100%, the number of him, the likelihood of him cheating seems to go up. And so at 70% as this like sweet spot number of him bringing in the money, um, I thought, well, at 70%, he's probably sharing in some of the other responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, because she has to bring home, you know, the other 30%, which means mm-hmm. they're both working. Um, they both have to take care of their kids or they both have to handle some of the house chores or whatever. And there's probably a connection that takes place during that stuff. Whereas if he was bringing home the 100%, he probably comes home, kicks off his shoes, undoes his belt and like calls it a day Mm -hmm. while she handles everything else. And to your point earlier, you know, kind of feels like he's above everything else and, you know, the king of his lair at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think aside from that, it's also that, not just the king of his lair, but it's a mindset of you think that you're just above everything, that the same rules don't apply, that you're there's an entitlement, there's I won't get caught, there's um, she'll never know. It, it's just a whole different mindset when you're sort of playing with the big boys. Yeah. I also think too, um, and, and you know, we, we've talked about uh, Dr. John Gottman's research research in the past. And one of his pillars is respect. Um, and I think, uh, sometimes we, we, I see it all the time with, um, moms who decide not to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them are, um, I can, I can, I can see it and I can hear it in the conversations that they have about some of them make the choice and they're happy and confident and pleased with that choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Other women, and I, and I'm trying to put this the proper way. um, It's not that they're not happy or um, satisfied with that choice, but you could tell that they, they feel this like lack of respect for the choice that they made. Mm -hmm. Like Like they're not getting respected for what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, as invalid as that is. Um, and, you know, and I sometimes feel like, where is that coming from? Is that coming from their home? 
is that the lack of respect that their spouse is putting on them because they don't because they aren't in the workforce or is that like an internal thing or whatever and so if we're you know bringing it back to what we're talking about um if their if their spouse is the 100% breadwinner and they're making them feel that way um on mm-hmm. the flip side their spouse would have that um complex of well you know you're just taking care of everything that goes on in my life outside of the workplace no big deal mhm mhm here here's another thought that i just had in some cultures men will have affairs out of respect to their wives because they feel that the kind of sexual activities that they want would be disrespectful to the mother of their children. I've, I've actually been told this by, by some men. Do you, so, okay, so do you believe that as like the real reason or do you think that's just a crap excuse? I think for some men who are brought up in very traditional ways in certain cultures that it's because they just would never do certain things or ask certain things of their wives. Um, and, and these would be the ones who are bringing home a lot of money and, sure. and the wives are not making any money at all. They, out of quote, respect, and because it's been accepted in their culture, have somebody who they have sexual relations with purely for the sake of, you know, having a sexual relationship that meets certain needs that they would never consider asking their wife for. But, okay. Um, I'm guessing though, that they don't uh, explain this to their spouse. Like their spouse has oh, no, no idea. No, of course not. Although, so, although, wait, let me, let me change yeah. that. She doesn't know directly. She doesn't know. It's not like an open discussion. But at some level, again, it's part of the culture and it, it's accepted as, yeah, you know, of course he does. It's just part of the culture. It's accepted mm-hmm. as, yes, you know, this is what happens and it's it's an accepted thing and in no way threatens the marriage. I was about to say, so do you think in those types of situations that because there's it's, it's built in culturally and there is that acceptance, does that put strain on the relationship or is the wife in those situations – kind of like yeah that's just how it goes yes yeah it's just built in this is what's an acceptable practice i also fear i mean you know to each his own um as long as it works for them right but um mm-hmm. i also wonder about like the safety of something like that oh like, sure don't the don't the wives worry about or have concern about their their safety with those types of situations um i can't speak to that i mean okay. i would i would just again be guessing um I I don't know. I would think that they should be, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. No, that was a you know we usually don't get. Um, I mean, this is what I love about uh, the topic of marriage is that there's so many varieties and personalizations that are done within marriage, um, which is why whenever I see any study of any kind of sort. Uh, you almost have to take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. because, you know, only maybe a little sliver of it would actually apply to you. And, right. and I understand that even as we talk about all these different things that we talk about week in and week out, um, some of the things may or may not work for you, what we're talking about based on your situation. Um, 
I mean, we've talked about like an example of that would be like a military marriage, right? Where somebody's deployed overseas and they don't mm-hmm. see their spouse for eight weeks, like, well, or eight months or a year or however long it might be. Um, you know, how in the hell are they supposed to do a date night? I mean, I can mm-hmm. come up with some ideas, but it, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's pretty difficult yes. d- depending on individual circumstances. So um, I, I, I totally get it. Uh, well, this was, this was an interesting and fun little conversation here, Karen. So, uh, I, I think we can probably wrap it up though. So, uh, unless you had something you wanted to add at the very end here. No. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Well then let's do Let's wrap it up. So, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you, Karen, for your time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Uh, so for those listening and uh, wondering uh, where this great information is coming from, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, you can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com where she has also launched a new uh, product called Pillars for Partnership. It is an audio and video tool uh, produced by Karen. Uh, You can also get more relationship tips at her website, choicerelationships.com. If you are trying to remember any of this stuff, you can find it on our website, hitchmag.com. We are on all the social platforms, and we love hearing from you, so feel free to shoot us a note on Twitter or leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, Google+, Pinterest, Tumblr, Instagram. Um, we are constantly trying to try and do new things to, to um, keep you guys informed of what's going on in the marriage world and give you best practices because that's really what it's all about. Uh, so let us know your thoughts. We always appreciate it. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Take care, everybody. It's about you